Welcome to this edition of Rail Group on Air. This is a production of Railway Age, Railway Track and Structures, and International Railway Journal. This is Railway Age Editor-in-Chief William C. Vantuono. My guest today is one of the world's preeminent railway industrial designers, Cesar Vergara. Cesar is chief designer at Vergara Studio. His designs uh, are iconic. They've been around the uh, rail industry for uh, about 30 years or more. Cesar, uh, welcome. Good to hear your voice. It's very nice to be here, Bill. Thank you for, for having me. We wanted to talk today about railway design specifically how it may or may not be impacted by this COVID-19 pandemic and provisions that may have to be made to accommodate for social distancing and disinfection, cleaning. It's a whole different world, wouldn't you say? It's an entirely different world and it's very complex because it goes right against the grain of the very definition of our industry mass transportation. You're not supposed to be in mass if it's a pandemic. By definition, it is a very, very uh, great challenge. I think one of the greatest uh, mysteries uh, in, in, are how long would this last? How lasting is not only the pandemic, but the effect the pandemic had on the design of vehicles, either because they had to make so many changes because of the present situation or preventing for future outbreaks of such situations. And that's what's going to make the design and uh, extremely challenging. So as an industrial designer, you deal with many different facets of, uh, of vehicle design. You're, you're dealing with interior and exterior configurations, mainly for this, I would say, uh, interior configurations, doors, one of the most important things now is cleaning vehicles, cleaning and disinfecting. Uh, it has to be done on a large scale, and it has to be done rapidly with a, with a fleet that has to be kept in service. What are you looking at as an industrial designer for in terms of interior materials, seating, handholds, whatever type of material, flooring is involved? It's very complex because if you think, for example, take flooring. Safety flooring uh, uh, is this raised disc or raised square. And the reason is, if it is wet in the winter or in the rain, you will be stepping on a little part that is a little higher than the lower part, and you won't slip and fall. That alone poses an extraordinary challenge in cleaning. It is difficult to clean it now just for appearance, but to try to clean this type of surface which has these raised discs or squares and to be sure or somehow uh, feel confident that you have gotten rid of of, of, the, of the virus um, it's almost like dentistry it's not like cleaning a, a a mass transportation vehicle how can you really do that we have learned a lot uh, the last several months uh, there's been incredibly many efforts uh, by people uh, in different um, agencies, the NTA cleaning all night uh, and um, doing everything they can to make sure that every surface is clean, but uh, they haven't been able to rebuild anything. And those um, turnstiles where you would run your card 
those uh, areas, even the entry to the vehicle and the interior, which is a whole immense chapter of what happens, was never designed so that it could be cleaned with such meticulous perfection that it can guarantee that there will be no virus. If you were designing from scratch a vehicle today, it would be difficult, but you could very well come up with solutions that will allow for complete cleaning, but not with the existing vehicles. You really have to devise new ways of cleaning and or change some material. But, you know, the advantages that you have, I use this floor because it comes as a perfect example, you know, the raised disc. If you were to change that, then you're giving up some of the safety. You could slip and fall. So it's going to be a lot of compromises. The more I think about this, the more I, I realize that it is a, a world of compromises in space, in the type of materials, because it is clear. A material with the least texture is the easiest to clean. And a material with the least texture is also the most slippery. And those two things don't go well together in public transport, unless it's a handhold. Those are, of course, stainless, and those are very easy to clean very thoroughly because it's a pipe. But as soon as you get into any more kind of complicated shapes, such as handholds, straps, that becomes quite a challenge. Now, they have um, in the airline as well as in the uh, in, in our industry, these uh, methods of, of spraying or, you know, uh, sort of like if you were fumigating the car. And that is not so much industrial design as it is science. They will tell you, nope, there, there could be nothing living here. I do wonder sometimes if that wouldn't be a huge problem for people that have asthma or something to have all these chemicals being used. But I'm sure that uh, using some kind of aer aerosol or gas for cleaning can be very effective, but it could have also some, some other um, effects. Most public transport, they're plastic, either a shell or a, a plastic like a naugahyde, so that you can clean it. It still has some crevices, and it still have places where it would be very difficult to get into seat by seat. It's an enormous challenge, just uh, a an extraordinary effort by the workforce and the management to design these cleaning procedures because the SMPs are what are really going to right drive it. The standard maintenance procedure, if you read any kind of maintenance manual uh, for any shop in any agency, they, it is ruled by, by the SMPs, by the standard maintenance procedure. Well, those have to be rewritten as far as cleaning goes because the way that it was done before is outdated. I think that there are two types of interiors that are going to happen now that are going to be the pre-COVID and post-COVID, literally. Cleaning protocols, uh, who develops those? Are they individual to each agency or is that something that is regulated? The 10 years that I worked in Amtrak, there was an unwritten rule in the industry it was hardly a rule, but it just went that way. If we adopted any kind of standard maintenance procedure, it kind of was adopted automatically, particularly by our neighboring um, agencies like 
SEPTA or Metro North or MBTA, but many of the ones that were far away, they would say, well, this is what they're doing in Amtrak. So they many times copied those standard maintenance procedures, which I remember put a, a great deal of pressure on how we wrote these things because it was our design team that was tasked with this. We ended up writing a lot of specifications and a lot of standard maintenance procedures. Now, the mechanical department, of course, in all of the agencies are hugely important because they're the ones that have the, the nuts and bolts and the screwdrivers. They're the ones that are in, up front. We were not. But at any good agency, such as we had, uh, while I was in Amtrak, it was very much a team effort with the um, mechanical department. We wouldn't just come up with ideas. We would always run it by the people that actually did the work in the shops and not just in the offices, but we would spend plenty of time in the shops in Beach Grove and all of the different shops of, of Amtrak to, to really try to provide solutions and guidance that was useful. Because it's, one thing is just say that you think you know things, but the reality is, unless you came up come up through the ranks in the railroad, which many times makes the best of all managers. I did not. I didn't work in the shops to begin with. And uh, you just have to recognize uh, you only know so much and you have to learn from the people that work in the shop. If you think how important the job of a person cleaning the cars is, it's life or death all of a sudden. It's not just if it looks good or if it's clean or someone's gonna complain that it was not clean enough. It is life or death. So it's suddenly what used to be not the most important task sort of became the most important task. Often in the hard times when, when revenue is down or, or funding is down, uh, one of the first things to be cut back on is cleaning. People will complain, but, but now it's, as you're saying, it's, it's, it's a matter of life or death. It has to be done. None of us have the experience of cleaning a vehicle to, to ensure that it doesn't have a virus. So the wisdom you carry from, um, from other experiences past is really the most valuable tool. You put that to work and it can yield a better result. The motto in the Swedish railway, and I spent so many years over in Sweden and I was right, went to school. What is necessary to a few is convenient for all. Indeed, now it applies to placating the virus. Think about it. A wheelchair requires three or more spaces to be able to be brought into the car and maneuvered into place. That amount of space, it's about six feet all around from that person. That's basically what they are saying from the CDC that we should stay away six feet from everyone. So if you were to, without really trying to complicate things, make a car compliant with the recommendation of social distancing, I calculated that you would have to remove every other row and you would have to stagger them so that you're as far away from people as possible. And in reality, you still have a, a two-seater and uh, those two people are going to be sitting shoulder to shoulder. Now, if they know one another, they perhaps would and they have a mask, they can do that. But if it's a stranger, they won't be able to. I used to calculate how many people 
uh, when a, a Metro North train arrives early in the morning from the Harlem line or in the New Haven line, there's more people in one of those cars than in a 747. If you compound this by having to have social distancing, you know you cannot make the trains longer because the platforms are not long enough. A dumb solution, uh, I call it that, is to have a heck of a lot less passengers per train. But then we couldn't even be called mass transit anymore. For those of our listeners who may not be familiar with the M8, that is the Metro North Kawasaki built rail car that, that you designed. It's a very particular car, but it has very many particular things about it that are very different. And there's a very unusual reason. The state of Connecticut uh, was paying for a chunk of the purchase of uh, this fleet. They required Metro North to uh, come up with a design which people really like. All the shapes inside, which many of them are very easy to clean. It was part of the thinking. We didn't know about a pandemic then, but there are as few crevices as possible inside of there. The majority of systems in the United States uh, they're 84 feet long by about 10 and a half feet wide and yay tall. That's the way they're always going to be. So what do you do with that interior? How do you manage it? I keep going back to the M8. I came up with the idea of making a center ceiling panel that was a little bit curved and the same with a side uh, above the baggage rack. And uh, it makes for a much more pleasant interior. It provides a little larger room in there you feel a little less claustrophobic. That was a very small attempt at making the interior larger. You can make the interior larger. There is quite a bit of wasted space. As an industrial designer, I think there's a lot of wasted space between the ceiling and the top of the car. You can pack that area and add some inches to the passenger space. Comfort and cleanliness go hand in hand. If you make equipment that is very smooth and easy on the, in the, on the eye is easy to clean because they're easy shapes. I, I think the equipments from now, from now on, uh, new, new designs are going to have to take into account having as few crevices as possible and uh, places where things can hide. That's a very good point. Design is a lot about the overall approach, but it is also about the details. It is in the details that the whole thing comes together. And now that we're dealing with a pandemic situation where you need to clean things, I was talking to someone in one of the agencies, and they said, yeah, we're going to install some plexiglass in front of the, uh, the bar, in the cafe cars and things. I said, I said, well, it came to mind when we were doing some work in, in transit that they wanted to have this extraordinarily thick piece of plexiglass, which was actually like bulletproof. Uh, that thick enough that you could shoot the thing and it, would, it wouldn't go through, but it wasn't necessary. There was no need. And I said, you know, why don't we make it a little bit thinner and flex it a little bit? The reflections will now be uh, vertical, like a pencil, rather than you think you're going the wrong way because plexiglass is fully reflective, especially when you're keeping it clean all the time. If you're standing against a bar, it will reflect the movement of the car the wrong way. And it might make you dizzy. So the number of things that one has to think about are, are enormous. To retrofit the cars is the biggest challenge. And then there is a massive detail. How do you exit that car in a big hurry if there is a fire or an accident? For all the efforts 
that have been done through the decades in making the emergency egress uh, for windows that you pull the gasket off and there's the red handle. All of a sudden, those go not down the drain, but they're not accessible to everyone if there's plexiglass here and there. A lot of these solutions cannot be permanent. Unfortunately, they will be less than perfect, many of them. They will prevent perhaps the spread a little, but they will make the interior a lot more cumbersome and a lot more difficult to clean. You know how many rattles cars are going to have when you start putting every kind of thing to divide the spaces? It won't be a quiet ride, even uh, if you do a very good installation, unless it's totally permanent. The most effective uh, prevention is, is getting a vaccine and, and vac vaccinating everybody, and then the problem goes away. Well, but, uh, but in the interim, what do you do? In the interim, people want to go back to work, and people need to take public transportation to get there. So it's going to be a combination of many things that's going to yield the, the solution. Signage is going to be quite a, a big player here. We'll have to have new signs for areas that are certified that they are cleaned every half an hour, these, that. Graphic design is going to be an enormous part of the solution too, not just physical design, but graphic design. Well, Caesar, I wanted to uh, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you, and uh, we, we hope to see another uh, uh, Caesar Vergara creation out on, out on the rails pretty soon. Well, I would hope that too, and uh, thank you. I feel very complimented that you would ask me and my opinion on these unknowns. Good health and have a safe day.